0: Welcome in. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Welcome back from vacation, Dave. Thank you, sir. How was it?
1: Oh, perfect.
0: We are we are 18 days away from our vacation. I
1: know because
0: my daughter counts us down every day.
1: We left and it was 85 and sunny and I landed and it was 55 and cloudy. So, you know,
0: it's one of those you want to just get back on the plane.
1: Like, no can al- I go can I go back? No allergy issues for a week and as soon as we landed, I started hacking and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's been it's been a fun week back. Well, it's good to have you back. We missed you. It's we, we took great you. to be here.
0: We took a week off in honor of Dave, in honor of yeah, your sure, your vacation, and uh, here we are. Know, we'll probably do one of these while I'm on vacation, just because I'm sick and demented. and You know, what can you do? What can what you do? What can you do? It was, a, uh, it was a busy BBP on Tuesday. This is recording on Thursday, so I- I'm going to try not to to double up on a lot of the same stuff, but you have a different perspective here with Dave. So I'm sure we'll touch on some of the things uh, that, that we hit on Monday, but uh, it's, uh, it's interesting, Dave there. It, it, it's, it's quiet in the UC football world, but it's not, it's like the the calm before the storm. They, right. they, they had the midnight madness camp. There was, you know, 15 guys there um, headlined by Luther Richardson who has a great arm, uh, as the video showed. Um, but we're, we're – we're, the, the coaches right now are out doing a lot of the satellite camps. Um, so they're scattered around, you know, the, the Midwest and South and East uh, looking for kids uh, at these the, – you know, the, the satellite camps have become a lot more popular this year. Because things have been, you know, dead for 16 months, you want to get a chance to see as many kids as you can. When you've got all your coaches on campus, you get to see the kids that are just there. When you can spread them out like this and send two coaches to this camp and two coaches to that camp, you know, you get a lot more eyes on uh, what you're looking for. So uh, after the Midnight Madness camp, they kind of hit the road and they come back. Um I believe Saturday evening, and then Sunday is the first full camp, which they have had to already close up because they are maxed out. So that is a good sign (laughs) for the camp Sunday. Uh, I imagine it will be keeping us quite busy. Are you excited to to get back and watch a little camp action?
1: Uh, I am. I am. Hopefully I can make – what time is it on Sunday? Hopefully I can make it.
0: I believe 1 to 4.
1: That is uh our anniversary so that might take Ooh. some some begging and pleading maybe I'll, I'll bring the little guy let him run around for a while <laughs> try not to get tackled
0: yeah I mean it's you know it's pretty spread out uh, especially with uh, with no nippert in use right now because they're laying down the turf and and getting all that situated. Saw a couple pictures today of, uh, of the nip. And it looks like it's going to, they're going to do the two tone grass where the grass changes shades back and forth, alternating every five yards. So it looks like it's got a fresh cut. (laughs) Nice. Um, so that is being installed. So we'll be bouncing around (coughs) between the practice field and, the lawn and Gettler and the small practice field and probably the baseball field too. If so I had to guess, but, uh, looking forward to it. It was a good time getting out there Monday night and, uh, and being back in the flow of things camp wise, which you know, I was looking the other day, man, like when you look at this 2021 class that, that gets here on Friday, Saturday, It is remarkable that they were able to do what they did in recruiting for 2021 with virtually, I mean, unless they were local, nobody saw anything. And I think it just goes to, you know, goes back to the staff's ability to sell their vision and execute, you know, whatever plan it is they have because you know, what, the the second best class in school history based off the composite by, like, two thousandths of a point or two hundredths of a point or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, and, and to do it without being able to sell Nippert and the, the campus and everything that makes UC great.
1: Excuse me. For, for sure. I mean, recruiting in the last year could not have been easy on any level, even for the, the best of the best. I mean, I'm sure they had – they're crazy challenges and maybe even more for some because unlike UC, they don't have a lot of local or close talent. And they're recruiting from a much you know wider array of...
0: Yeah, they're recruiting national.
1: So it makes it even harder. But, I mean, uh, you know, you wonder, was it harder? But did some aspects of it actually help because some of these kids that... You know that they got couldn't go see other places and yeah. have that element that we know is out there uh, in their ear. Introduced, or, yeah. Yeah, as much. But I'm either way, I'm glad that we are back to normal recruiting, I guess, is the only way you can put it. I don't know if it truly isn't 2019 recruiting, but it's Sure, feels a heck of a lot more normal than what we saw over the last 15, 16 months.
0: And they already have, I mean, there, there are what, 11 commits? 11, so they already yep. have essentially what it, what it will be at, or maybe a little slightly less than half of their class uh, accounted for. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like this has got to be potentially even more difficult because kids are
1: going
0: to want to go on visits, you know? Yeah, all, like
1: these, all these kids that have been committed, they haven't got to go anywhere just because they're committed here. So, like, schools are going to be trying to get them to visit because they have to figure that you haven't gone anywhere. Like, how solid can your commitment really be? So we have an opportunity to to impress and, and try to try to get you to join our team. And the, stat,
0: the, the weird part for this staff has been they've been – pretty straightforward in their stance on look if you're gonna if you're gonna go visit we're gonna keep recruiting your spot
1: it helps when you have quality guys that could take those spots
0: yeah but (laughs) now I mean it's gonna be interesting to see like how if that stance softens some just on the basis of like the understanding that these kids haven't made fully educated decisions at this I mean, point, I, right? I,
1: I would hope that that would be the case. Like, that's a pretty hard line and uh, rough way to go about it, given what's happened the last year, to just be like, we don't care if you go visit anywhere else. Because, uh, like, are they going to not have guys come visit them that are committed anywhere else?
0: Right. Well, I think
1: here's probably...
0: I would guess, and this is just me spitballing, I would guess the line in the sand probably starts with, like, how forthcoming and honest the kid is about
1: their situation. If he's committed, but he's told him, like, the whole time, like, yeah, I'm committed, but when we're allowed, I'm going to go check out other places versus I'm committed – haven't said a word, and then all of a sudden you see an article that so and so is visiting X school this weekend. Like, yeah, that, right. those are two very, very different uh, parameters.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's not like you know they're in contact with the kids that are committed regularly. Um, so I'd have to imagine there's that open line of communication, and if you're honest and and straightforward, I think you know you you move forward as if that commitment is solid then um, you never know, really, right? Yeah, and, <laughs>
1: but that's no different. I mean, that's not yeah. a new thing. No. I mean,
0: I guess that's where that's where that'll probably fall. Um, I did see Ethan Green Monday night. Holy cow.
1: Big, big dude.
0: That is a very large human. Like, you want what a textbook 17, 18-year-old offensive tackle looks like? Ethan Green. (laughs) Like he had to be, he was a good two, three inches taller than Fick. Yeah. And Fick's not a small human. So he was, he was impressive looking. Now he didn't camp. And I mean, there were no defensive linemen there. The only thing the offensive linemen were doing were like footwork drills and like, you know, how you look, getting off the snap and things like that, which are important, but kind of to, to evaluate someone you kind of need to see them going against right. someone else
1: it's a little tough to evaluate an offensive lineman going against air
0: yeah um it's like when you know people are like well how the linemen look the first day of camp when they're in no shoulder pads and you know
1: they look big.
0: t-shirts shorts and helmets yeah they 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 look big i don't know how they look they didn't block anybody <laughs> um yeah, he is. He is an impressive dude. And he seemed like he was bearcats all the way. And you know, he he's trash talking Luke Fickle about he he thinks he could he could beat him in wrestling. And Fickle saying basically, like, until you win a state title, you don't even get to challenge Like <laughs> there, there is a prerequisite to step in this ring, and that's a championship. And that's right. You ain't got it, young man. You you, you put that on your resume as a senior and uh and we'll 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 find out but and then luke was talking about they were they were a tag team now like they were joining forces now
1: i just uh i mean luke's luke's lost a few pounds since his playing wrestling days and he's probably lost maybe a step or so i just i'm wondering if maybe he just doesn't want to get embarrassed I don't
0: know, man. It's not it like the, the, the word was like he handled Freeman pretty easily whenever they got into a little uh friendly, friendly. Challenge. Like twice,
1: like a hundred pounds heavier than Marcus. But Freeman's in pretty damn good shape. Yeah, but like tossing a guy that's two two fifteen, two twenty versus two ninety is a different story. Yeah, that's
0: fair. That's fair. Um, but, but anyway, Ethan Green was a pretty, pretty impressive specimen. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's, I mean, because you're looking at what well, we're, we're confident on probably three guys or at least two guys at tackle. I wouldn't be shocked to see him. And we've seen a lot of true freshmen make their mark on that too deep. Oh yeah. You know, he's not going to get here for another year, obviously, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of those kids that pops up on the two deep at some point uh, when he does get to campus, especially considering the way he looks now and that he's still a year away from college. So um, question for you. Yes. Taking a look at this 2021 class, like who are you excited to finally get to campus?
1: Oh geez. 2021. Who am I excited? Uh, I'm going to try to steer clear of like the uh, the,
0: the guys at the top of the, the class. Very,
1: very obvious. Like Shaman
0: Mateer. Yeah.
1: Like that's. Um, that it's would be like, Lawton. be like cheating, you know, so, a little bit. I'm going to pick out three guys. I'm going to say I'm interested in seeing Miles Montgomery. I would agree there. I'm interested in seeing Drew Donnelly. And uh the godfather. Dante Corleone. Corleone's
0: gonna be fascinating because doesn't it always feel like there's somebody that that comes in that's rated at the bottom of the class that like is instantly like oh
1: yeah, like Derek Forrest. Yeah, Derek or Forrest, Desmond Ritter,
0: Desmond Ritter, <laughs> those are those are two two notable ones. Kobe wasn't rated very high either.
1: Forrest had another pick today.
0: He's gonna end up being a starter in Washington if he keeps up the way things have gone.
1: Now, granted, who's on the op- who's playing offense yeah. right now for them?
0: And they have a very good defense. They do. But but I think you give it a year or two, and, and Derek's contributor is for be sure. Starter. I mean
1: yeah.
0: Oh, he'll be a special teams contributor immediately.
1: But yeah, those are probably be my you know three. <sighs> I was picking three and I wasn't cherry picking from the from the very very top from, I mean, the, I, from a ranking I, standpoint. Um I,
0: I do think one of the guys at the top I'm fascinated with is is Zakwee Yeah. Because look, my J ain't gonna be here next year. No. Somebody has to step into that rush and position. And I I haven't seen as of yet, I haven't really seen anybody that's that's ready for
1: that. Right? Was there anybody on the D line going to be here next year? Well, I mean, you you would think Briggs will be here. Of the okay, of the of the projected starters. Well, I mean, Brooks and Brown can't be
0: right. Um, Malik. Malik, if he wants to use the COVID year, could come back, but. I imagine after four full seasons on the field, like Malik's probably looking at it like, yeah, if I can, if I can, if I think I can get drafted, you know, now if it doesn't look good projection wise, I could see, you know, maybe Malik but, considering that's, that's coming very, back. Very
1: far down the road too. Yeah.
0: Uh Briggs should be here. That'll be a, a, a plus as long as he doesn't come out and dominate this year and end yeah. up in the draft. Which is, which is possible. It'll be the end of his third season in college football. Yeah, that I mean, Watley will be back. Phillips will be back. I mean, that's the thing. Now, more so than even two years ago when you were replacing Cortez and Cope, and it was like, oh, man, what's going to happen now? I'm more confident in the young guys now than I was then. Yeah, for sure. But this five-man defensive line group coming in, you got to hit on some of these because they've had a couple guys in the past two classes that, that have, have not hit yet. Right. Yeah. So you got to hit on two or three, at least of these five guys that are coming in as freshmen to have them ready in year two, if you have to replace what you think you're going to have to replace. Um, I had somebody ask me a question on Twitter today in a DM today. I want to ask you. Okay. I didn't answer it because I wanted to save it for the pod.
1: Most DM questions are, are very thought-provoking, so.
0: This one is. I mean, it's I, – I the answer is pretty clear, but let's see where it goes. Do you think going forward the football team will continue to have teams like this where they seem so dominant, or is this an anomaly, and it will even out to the, the rest of the teams in the conference for years to come?
1: Oh, conference. Well, I mean, they are
0: a, a heavy favorite in the conference,
1: Yeah. right? Uh, I think it will even out a little bit. I mean, UC might still be the favorite, but not to the level they are this year. Just because, I mean, like, if we're looking down the road, obviously we don't know who every team's going to have and whatnot. But is going to be replacing an insane amount of, Production, depth, talent, more than likely after this season.
0: Yes. So
1: it would be unrealistic to just think we're going to roll into this time next year, and they're going to be the prohibitive, like.
0: Well, you're, you're going to have a new quarterback.
1: Yes, among many other things. You're going to have <laughs> turnover new, at wide receiver. new secondary. More than I.
0: That. Yeah, I think it's safe to say if he has the good year, there's a a pretty good chance Josh Wiley is gone. Michael Young probably gone. Jordan Jones probably gone. Alec Pierce probably gone. Um, But Vinny would be gone off the offensive line. Most everyone else should be back, I would think, at that point. Um, we just talked about the defensive line, DeBlanco and Beavers would be gone. Although I think maybe more than anywhere, they might be most suited to handle things at linebacker, right? Cause they're just loading up at linebacker right now. Um, and then pretty much the whole secondary.
1: I just think we need to be as a fan base need to maybe be a little careful about getting out over our skis and just thinking that like, Oh, well, we're just going to run rough shot over all these teams for the foreseeable future. Like that now it just, just doesn't happen on this level. Now we're going to, it's, it's a little different Alabama. because of the COVID. Well, I'm just talking about like at UC's level of like conference. Yeah. It's a little different because of the COVID year and that stuff's probably not going to really flush itself out for like another three years. Um, like when all these kids that can have an extra year until they are done, it's going to be very hard to recruit. Cause you just don't know how many spots you technically have. Um, so, I mean, I was reading something today where there's a coach shopping players.
0: Like, like I need to get rid of these guys.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. Like saying like, Hey, you should go here. Like they'll, you know. Right. Um, and then, you know, I was reading something from, I believe it was Wake Forest coach, just saying like, you could have, one minute you could have too many players, and then all of a sudden you could have way too few. Because if, if guys stay verse, and then you didn't recruit, you know, like one year you could have a lot, and then you didn't recruit because you didn't have any spots. And then all of a sudden a bunch of people leave and you can't repl- you don't have a chance to replace them. And then you're like low on scholarship. So for the next two or three years, it's going to be quite a juggling act. So, um, but I, I don't, I don't think that this is some like, I'm not going to say dynasty, but like some prohibitive favorite where They're just going to go undefeated in the league three or four years in a row, win the conference championship every year. You just have to rely too much on older players and the right players sticking around and kind of building that, in this case, what become a super senior class. Um, But it could happen for the next few just because of the way the COVID rule is going to work. If every year you get a couple guys that decide to stay at important spots that we were anticipating leaving then you have a better shot of keeping it going but then the same token you could also then have some guys that you thought might return that have now been here for an extra year that are like okay i'm just i don't want to do go through with this anymore like i could come back but i'm not going to well
0: i think you're going to see it less going forward than we saw it this year, because this year was the year that there was the impact. I mean, yeah. I, I, guys just don't like the pounding, especially if you play all four years, right? Like if, you know, if you didn't play a year, or you, you played very sparingly one year, I could get using the extra and it basically just becomes your fifth year red shirt. I don't think you're going to see going forward. Many guys staying for their, you know, six year or their fifth year of, of, of real playing time.
1: No, and I, and I think, um, too. And, and using saw, that COVID year. We saw these guys stay because whether it was not the usual number of games, whether it was the not the same experience, like, especially in, like, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, if this year goes as 2019 did, say, Guys aren't going to st- – like, guys aren't going to just right. be like, I'm coming back. Like, they got the normal, full 12, 13, 14 game, full crowd, full call, you know, bowl game, special bowl week. They got that whole deal. They're not just going to be like, oh, I'm going to use another year. Right. So, I think that – I mean, you'll my-
0: see some – you'll see some guys in a situation like Cincinnati where they fell – you know, three seconds short of their ultimate goal that want to run it back.
1: It's like five Um, guys.
0: Yeah. But, but you know,
1: In the entire country. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there are other guys that that, have that specific way that their season went or you, you know,
0: you missed out on a conference title by, you know, this much, or you missed out on going to that, that new year's six bowl by one spot or two spots. Like, there are going to be situations where guys want to run it back, but I just don't think it's going to be as prevalent. Yeah. No. Um, but back, back to the original point. I, I do. I want to see those defensive linemen. I want to see miles Montgomery, I think is probably at the top of the list for me because we don't know what Charles McClellan is going to look like. Like all the reports are, that he's good. That that both knees are structurally sound. That everything's going to be okay. But he has torn both of his ACLs, and his game is speed and quickness. And we haven't seen enough of Ryan Montgomery and, and Ethan Wright to really tell us that they're ready for prime time. Yeah, I I'm really high on Ethan Wright. I, I think he's going to be very very good.
1: Um. But there's a big difference in, I mean, touching the ball a handful of times in your freshman right. year to being the well, backup twice. running back.
0: He touched the ball twice.
1: Right. To then becoming the backup running back. Yeah. The and number starting two. starting running back is something happened to the starter.
0: Right. And it's running back, so their guys are going to get dinged and have to the come out for a series or missing games. Like, yeah. So, Miles Montgomery to me might be the most important freshman on the roster. Because if he's ready, and that really is the position where freshmen can be ready more than anywhere else, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Here's, hand, hand here's the ball. The
0: ball. Go. go do something with it. So, I'm fascinated to see Miles Montgomery and how he fits. Um, trying to think through. If there's anybody else that really jumps out at me, man, I think that probably the rest of them, it's just, there's so many guys in front of them right now. Like there's just so few opportunities for a freshman to come in and, and, and hit the two deep this particular season. Yeah. Um, but back uh, to 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 one of the other things we we're talking about. Do you think that we will see just as this continues to grow a, a talent separation, because this has been basically the dominant recruiting school in the Amer- in the American okay. for for four years, five years.
1: That can definitely happen, but it's hard to say because of transfers. Like that's such more prevalent part of recruiting now than it even was two, three years ago. And you just like, you have no idea. Like I could say X schools recruiting class isn't that impressive. And then when the season's over, they add 10 impact starting level transfers. Well, that changes things.
0: What did you – did you see the uh, summary from Coffee with Cunningham today? I did not. uh, Perry Aliano was the guest, and uh, he was talking about, like, you know, the fact that UC – and this is – it's been wild to watch, but it's true. UC does not really recruit against any other team in the American. No. Like, who are we ever talking about that UC is recruiting that has, like, three schools in the American on their list? I mean, maybe if you go into Florida, a kid's got UCF on his list. But they are strictly well, yeah. If they go into Florida, he's got, they go into
1: Florida, he's got UCF. He also has Florida, Florida State, yeah, Miami, Georgia, yeah. Tennessee, North Carolina, Auburn. <laughs> so it's not like they go into Florida and are recruiting guys whose best offers UCF and USF,
0: right? It's just fascinating that this has gotten to a point. I mean, did you ever think it would be to the point where the only guys they are recruiting are guys with legit, like, multiple other power five options? Like, when's the last time? Remember, like, what, even six, seven years ago? Like, even Butch dealt with this some. Like, half of the recruiting class had MAC offers. Oh, yeah. You don't see that at all anymore. It's like, it's down to UC, Purdue,
1: yeah, Kentucky I mean,
0: the, the, and Indiana like
1: they're, they're finalists. It's very rare that the final group is is you see is the only what I, you know what I would call uh, upper level program.
0: yeah you just it's crazy because that has changed so drastically and now it, it it's hard to even think back to it because
1: and if a guy commits, like, doing, you know use like a Jonathan Thompson for an example. In the 2022 class, like he doesn't have the big offers or whatever, but he committed right super early. So that's, you know, he clearly just wanted to come to UC. It wasn't like he was weighing UC versus the other offers that he had. He yeah, and there to- are a
0: lot of people I know that felt like he was vastly under-recruited.
1: Right, but if he had been uncommitted at this point and was going to camps this whole summer, I'm sure he would get some of those other Big Ten offers, and then if he then then decided for UC, it would have been UC versus, you know, the, the typical schools.
0: Right. It's just It's just such a weird, like, it's not even weird anymore because it's become normal, but it's so weird to think back to, like, what covering recruiting was just go to where 10, it is. And
1: 12 years ago, a decade yeah. ago, when when the end of BK and Butch, like they were battling mech teams for dudes. Yeah.
0: And and hoping you found the right guys from the Mac that because the because
1: off, the offensive linemen and defensive linemen were all projections. Yeah. So you're recruiting, you're recruiting guys that other like other schools that have to take proge- projections are recruiting. So you're not recruiting against Michigan State and schools like that because they're not recruiting 6'4", 240-pound tight ends hoping they become 6'5", 300-pound tackles. Like they're just <laughs> recruiting Ethan Greens right out of high school like UC is now.
0: And that's really been the biggest difference, right, is that is the, the number one di-
1: number one difference in UC recruiting in the last – Whatever, you know, five to seven years.
0: Getting guys that are, while they're not ready right away. They're physically... never going to be
1: ready to play. as a, They're never going to get an offensive lineman that's truly ready to play as a freshman. But they're not projections. Like, they can look at him and go, this dude's a tackle, this guy's a guard. We're going to work on his strength, his weight, whatever. But it's not a, do we think this guy can become something? Right
0: how how do we think this guy is going to carry an additional 60 pounds can
1: he even gain an additional 60 pounds right is it you know physiologically possible
0: usually they, the answer is no because
1: they've had that happen i remember a couple guys i mean i won't i won't call them out by name but i remember some guys that like came in at 240 and the biggest they could get was like 270. yeah and they ended up transferring
0: and jakari struggled with that when he first, you know, they they had trouble keeping him above like or above 275 280 and they wanted him up around 300 310. So um you got any, you got any football stuff you want to talk about?
1: I don't know, should we dive into uh quickly or kind of what we think might happen with these last few spots, who the main targets are? We got some visits starting. Yeah, I
0: think we'll get, you know, that'll get a little bit more, more clear like as we next
1: week. Next week. That.
0: Yeah. Um I want to get a better, like, you know, once we know exactly like what the visitor lists for both of those weekends look like, you know, it becomes clear who they're who they've got their eyes particularly or specifically set on. Um yeah, let, let's let's hold that off for a week and i you know i need to make a couple of, i i don't think the wish list has changed that much and you know, i talked right. about it on the BBP. i i i 24 7 it asked me um send in like who do you think is like your must who is your school's must get guy
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i went i went jq hardaway
1: yeah you know, I, that's a guy that's an 89 in
0: the composite 89 in the composite. They they need. They're gonna need an outside corner, even though I think they're okay with Jaquan Shepard and Bumpus and Sammy Anderson and and Justin Harris and the guys that they got in fold. You need a. You need. You're you're losing Sauce and Kobe, so they, you're gonna need a, a dude.
1: They can't. You, I mean, you can't have enough good corners. Like I, I don't care who's coming back. You can't have enough good corners.
0: So I went with J.Q. Hardaway. I think, you know, Luther Richardson right now looks to be the number one, the clear number one targeted quarterback. They're done at running back. Um, Wide receiver is going to be fascinating to me because I I know they'd love to get Tommy McIntosh, and I know they made a really good impression on him at camp on Monday night uh, to the point that they might be able to turn that into an official visit here in the upcoming weeks, hopefully. But he might be, you know, a reach at this point just because he's blowing up, which I completely see with and agree after watching him Monday night. Right. Um, <clears throat> offensive line, I mean, I think they're pretty good there in this class for right now. They'd probably like to add one more. And I'm sure, obviously, they'd love to add Quishan Sapp or Kayshawn Sapp. Yeah. Uh, but uh, who wouldn't (laughs) beating out the likes of uh, Florida state and Auburn for a kid from the South. Best of luck. Go go get him Gino. Best of luck. Um, Tyrus Washington. I know they'd like to have a tight end. Uh, I liked what I saw from Max Claire at camp on Monday, but I think once you get into that, like you get used to having those six, 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 seven, Josh Wiley, Leonard Taylor, freaks of nature. It's hard to go back to those six, three, six, four tight ends, isn't it?
1: Uh,
0: sure. I,
1: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, if, if, Shama if, tear, right. I mean, if that's what if, but I mean, there's, you know, There's all different types, so it just depends on what you you know if that's if you want to model your room that way, then sure. But you know, there's there's a, s I didn't feel like there's a spot for guys that maybe aren't necessarily exactly that.
0: I think you get spoiled too. Well
1: sure, but can you You get open can you You get open and catch catch the ball? So. You
0: like dating five foot 110 pound blondes. You you tend to want to keep dating five foot 110 pound blondes or brunettes yes. or whatever, whatever your type may be. We're all, we're an all inclusive podcast here. <laughs> um, and defense, you know, <laughs> they're going to recruit 30 more defensive backs. That's what they do. Defensive backs and defensive linemen. Um, so we'll, we'll have a little bit better idea of that next week, but, but i meant the team, like the, the, the program. Is there anything you want to hit on in this particular episode?
1: I don't think so. All right.
0: You know, get to basketball a little bit.
1: Yeah. Let's talk a little, talk a little hoops. It's the, seems like there's with them starting up, there might be a little bit more to digest.
0: Well, uh, Demar and Kyle Washington are now official.
1: Officially official.
0: Officially official. I tried. I was close I tried to get Kyle on tonight, but he, he had a previous engagement. Sure he did. He did. He, he, he offered to come on. He said, you know, if we, I I tried to get him yesterday and he's like, I already have some, some plans for tomorrow night, but we'll work it out to, to come on down the road. Um, but it's a, it, it's pretty cool to see those guys back around, and it's it's pretty cool to see Wes Miller like realize the importance of tapping into that market. Oh you yeah, for, yeah, okay. for sure,
1: for sure. Sorry, I had to mute real quick. Um, yes, I think, you know, it's an, you make an effort and you give, you know, true honest opportunities. And if guys grab them, then guys grab them. I mean, I I don't think any of us want jobs given out just for the sake of placating, you know, whether it's former players, you know, whatever, but uh, clearly Wes can put a staff together and had ideas of uh, who he wanted. So if you're going to hire Kyle and you're going to hire Demore, then they clearly earned it.
0: And then I, I do still think there's one more spot. I know it, <clears throat> it. It sounded like that was making like the staff official, based on the tweet that come out that came out. But I, I do still think CB McGrath, who was the coach at North Carolina Wilmington, was an assistant with Roy Williams at North Carolina. I do think we will see that. It's probable is is the wording I would use. Probable that towards the middle to end of this month we will see CB McGrath. Uh, on staff at Cincinnati as well. And uh, here's a question for you. Yes. If you could take the last three assistants, not to put any of those assistants down, I'm just curious. You could take the last three assistants or you could take Chris Lapore, CB McGrath and, and Dermar Johnson as your assistants.
1: Which one would you take? <laughs> I mean, is that honestly a question?
0: <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm guessing you'd take the the support staff option.
1: Well, yeah, because they cause they have more high major coaching experience. <laughs>
0: well, not necessarily. I mean, Lepore has been an assistant at, at Greensboro.
1: Well, hasn't McGrath coached? McGrath
0: it? has been an assistant at North Carolina, so yes. So just on right. him alone, you're taking. And then Demar has been Didn't the number one player in the country.
1: Well, that's what I said. They have more coaching experience at the high major. Did anybody on the last staff coach a single year at the high major level?
0: Uh Dwyer was in a. They were both Dwyer and Morris were both in support roles at Alabama.
1: Okay, does well, that count? Nope, because they were <laughs> they were not coaches. All that's to say, it's pretty damn
0: crazy when you look at not only the staff, but the support staff, what Wes Miller has been able to accomplish.
1: Yeah, it's uh, not what I don't think, you know, even the most red and black glasses wearing Bearcat fan could have imagined to be able to put a staff together together. You know, is diverse with some local, you know, with some UC ties, with some Ohio and Kentucky ties, with you know, high major recruiting experience, young guys, veteran guys. Like he's kind of hit all the all the corners that you would want your staff to have some experience in.
0: On the recruiting front, it's been, it's been busy. You get, uh, you get Rayvon Griffith in on Tuesday, who is a five-star wing from Cincinnati. You get, uh, uh, Sean Phillips in on Wednesday, who is a four-star big man from Dayton. They are working on visits next week with point guard, Sean Jones, uh, with, uh, four-star big man Braden Huff with uh, an official visit, hopefully next weekend for soon to be four-star wing Leon Bond. And uh, it feels like there's, there's just an energy around the program that's been missing for a little while. For sure. But that's, that's why you hire a big time staff, right? Yeah. Yeah. You hire a big time staff. So you're a factor with more big time players. That's, that's how the cycle goes. Uh, I I did get some, uh, some more scoop, a a little, some, some inside information on, there was uh, apparently an open gym last night at, uh, on campus at UC with, with, you know, the guys that are on campus right now. Like like I said, the one that's not is John Newman, uh, who is still finishing up his degree at Clemson. The only other guy that's kind of stuck in limbo a little bit is Abdul Doe who is just going through the whole like process of physicals and testing and all that fun stuff, especially post COVID that the players have to go through now. Uh, I think he was the last one to get to campus. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta go through all the the clearance stuff with the doctors and medical staff uh, before you can get on the floor. Um, the, the the one name that's kind of consistently been talked about when I've asked people about these open gyms is that people have been really surprised by Hayden Koval, that he's just a super mature, like, knows who he is, knows what he can do, contests everything at the rim, um, shoots it. I mean, it's open gym. Like, if you're not shooting it well in open gym. Then I'm you're not
1: worried. a good shooter. Yeah, I'm worried. Nobody's I'm, guarding you, right? I'm super
0: concerned <laughs> if you're not shooting it well at open gym. Uh, but he's he's knocking down open shots.
1: You mean there's like not I mean, a lot of like defensive stances and high hands and sharp closeouts in open gym?
0: No, very little. I, the biggest difference in open gym is there's just no help defense.
1: No, you just stand there, you just stand right next to the guy you're guarding, and and
0: it like. There was probably, like, you know, you get into, like, year 8, nine, ten of the Mick Cronin era, there are enough guys that understand, like, what their defensive system is.
1: That's, well, that's just the way they end up playing every right, day, i no matter what I'm saying. how they're playing. I don't right. see a lot of guys right now coming over to take charges from the uh, off-ball side. That would be correct.
0: <laughs> that is that is not something you're going to see a whole lot of in open gym. Uh, because there might be a fight if a guy steps in and takes a charge on a guy coming down the lane going for a dunk. Um, but it's just you know, Kovaugh is a guy that's name has come up. AJ McGinnis is a guy that and and uh Jared Hensley have both come up quite a bit as well. Uh, just the, McGinnis apparently can can really really shoot it. Um, and then Hensley is just a apparently he didn't shoot it all that well Monday, but I heard he, he knocked down quite a few threes on Wednesday, which is probably because I heard Monday, he did a great job kind of attacking and playing downhill. So then you're going to try to take that away from him. The next time you play open gym. And uh, that gave him some more open threes that he was, he was able to, to splash. Um, sound kind of like Mikey Saunders has been has played really well in both of the open gyms. Um Jeremiah Davenport I heard the, the first half apparently was just unconscious and yeah. was hitting every three through up which we've seen him do that like we've seen him do that in games that is that is not overly surprising to hear that that he went off for a while from three um People have been impressed with, as you would expect, we kind of knew this coming in, that that Odie really gets up and down the floor well. Um, finishes everything above the rim. I heard last night he had a nice little righty hook that, that probably brought a tear to Kyle Washington's eye. <laughs> um, thinking through. It's interesting, I we haven't heard a lot I'm I'm wondering on Mason Madsen, we haven't heard much. I'm wondering how much is, of that is just, you know, he's a guy that he doesn't create a bunch for himself, so he needs guys that are familiar with him to know, like, where his spots are.
1: Right. He's more of an actual flow of a game type yeah. guy. Yeah,
0: which I kind of expected McGinnis to be, but from what I've heard about McGinnis, like, He's not afraid to pull up off the dribble. He's not afraid to, to be aggressive looking for his shot. So, um, but, you know, that, not surprised that I haven't heard a ton from Mason. I did hear Mike Adams-Woods was was doing a good job finishing around the rim, which apparently uh, there have been a lot of missed layups <laughs> in these two open gyms because there's actual rim protection. There are actually guys to be afraid of (laughs) when you get to point blank range, which was, uh, which was not the case.
1: No, when you didn't think anyone was going to block your shot, you didn't really worry about going in for a layup.
0: Yeah. So um, that's kind of it for the, for what I heard from open gym yesterday. This guy was getting another phone call. I wonder if that was a – I wonder if they ran tonight. It might have been an open gym report from tonight. But we're recording a podcast, so I couldn't yeah. answer it. Uh, when
1: is, when is uh, your next trip on to, out on the road? What does the AAU schedule look like? So coaches are allowed
0: out the third and fourth weekends of June to watch like high school camps. Uh, you know, teams playing with their their high school teams. <clears throat> the second one of those, I'm going to be on vacation. The first one, I'll, I'm going to try to get the whatever is going on in Ohio, um, to watch as many as many kids as I can. Uh, and then Fourth the of July weekend, they don't. There's nothing. But then the next three weekends, there's events. Okay. So those three weekends in July, I'll definitely be out on the road, which I'm I'm looking forward to. The first one, I think I'm going to split between um, Under Armour and Adidas, and knock out two days of Under Armour, two days of Adidas on the uh, on those four days. So looking forward to that. The second one, I'm guessing, uh, I guess is going to be Nike's doing like twelve days in in Augusta, Georgia. It's a lot. Well, they, they didn't do their circuit. They didn't do... Right. You know, their, their qualifications for Peach Jam. Usually they have three events. Every team plays four games at each of the events. And then the standings determine who moves on to the Peach Jam. Well, they didn't get to do that. So they're running 12 days straight in Augusta, which is wild. And it ends that right right as that final weekend hits. Um, so I'll probably go down there the second weekend. And then the third weekend, I'm not positive. I know Under Armour is up in Indianapolis that weekend, but uh, top 100 camp is in Orlando.
1: So it's Ooh. a, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: it's a decision of, do I want to, you know, go an hour and a half to Indianapolis or do I want to go 16 hour drive to Orlando? Uh
1: that's not a question.
0: I know. <laughs> but I'm eight up, so I might end up in Orlando. We'll see. Hmm.
1: Um, who was the AU uh, program that the running joke was you got a jersey, a pair of shoes, and a UC offer?
0: Team Loaded, North Carolina. Team
1: loaded. Are there? Do we know, are there any teams that our new coaching staff has connections to yet, or is that still to be determined?
0: Still to be determined
1: once we um, get out once we get out on the road and see who they're well, watching multiple times.
0: I imagine just because of their ties to Atlanta, that we'll we'll see a lot of kids, you know, Chad Dollar and Andre Morgan are both, you know, pretty heavily connected in Atlanta. So I'm guessing we'll see a lot of kids from Atlanta Celtics, we'll see a lot of kids from Atlanta Express. Um, who's gonna there's recruit quite a few other
1: recruit Ohio. I
0: would guess Roberts, you know, just, he's got ties to Indiana. Um, I would guess, you know, Lapore is going to be in that kind of recruiting support role. Um, So he'll probably handle some of that, but in terms of like the guys out on the road, I would guess Roberts and maybe Morgan uh, stepping in to help there just to, you know, add an area to his, his level of expertise or level of experience. Th- uh, coaching at this level.
1: Do you think they'll make a concerted effort to recruit Ohio, or is it just kind of go where the the players take you?
0: It's kind of go where the players take you. I mean, I think they're definitely gonna gonna try to make an impact locally as much as possible. Um. So you know, a guy like Rayvon Griffith, a guy like Paul McMillan, you know, both of them have been on the watch list. Um, well, I haven't done a 23 one, but you know, McMillan on the 2022 watch list. Um, a guy like Evan Mahaffey, which it's unfortunate that he's hurt kid from Molar, Um, cause it, I think he would have been a guy that they would have watched a lot this spring. Um, so I think they'll definitely make a concerted effort locally. Uh, and then we'll see, you know, how things progress in the rest of Ohio. It, I mean, a lot of it's going to come down to, to to what level of success they have, right? Because if you run your head into the wall trying to recruit all right. Ohio Red, and you still can't get any all Ohio Red kids.
1: You're just wasting time.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to, you know. You're going to want to give it a shot as best you can right out of the gate. But you know, long term, it doesn't make sense if you're not having any success to to continue barking up those trees. So um, the, I think we'll see there. Obviously, he's going to have a lot of ties in North Carolina. Uh, you know, that, that's where he's been forever. CP3.
1: That's where he's been.
0: CP3 and and even some of the the, the regional stuff, you know, some sleepers. Like, I, there's been the two guys that I put, one from Georgia and one from Carolina on the list that, that kind of had some sleeper tendencies that I think you'll see pop up. But if you're looking, if, if you're going to dig in states that have deep talent pools, like Carolina and Virginia and, and Georgia are places that, you know, Ohio's producing three or four high major kids a class, right? Right. Those states are producing 20. So you're much more likely to, to find a sleeper or find what you want shopping in the, uh, the bins that have more merchandise,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: if you will. Um, So it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for it because it's, you know, something different. It's all new. Yeah. So that, that, that's going to be fun. July is going to be, you know, football camps and then. Recharge with a little family vacay and, and come back ready to, to come out swinging in July.
1: Sounds good. I don't, I
0: don't have a whole lot more to yield.
1: I don't either. I just uh, – there is one thing I wanted to ask about. Okay. Did you see the Mike Krzyzewski video today?
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's a song they play It is at Duke before every game.
1: But – just I'm not even like I'm kind what's, of even taking the song out of it of like what three or four girls doing the clapping the players sitting behind them being like probably having the same reaction I had like is this real life.
0: Um, what did it feel like to you because I know exactly the first thing that came to my mind.
1: I I've, honestly I watch it and I just go what did I just watch and is this real life like I, and then he's up on stage doing the arm thing and. All the awkward old white people also doing the arm thing and... Tell me that didn't feel like a cult video. Oh! 100%. Like, here comes David Koresh. Every time we touch, like, it was so... Tell me, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Tell me this is not
0: like a recruitment video for an actual cult.
1: The girls doing, like, the slow claps over their head, Right. Like those are all the 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 the, the, the mamas yeah. of his the, babies. The new members in the back being like, "Is this? Are we sure we want to join this?" Like, <laughs> right? It was just, the the only thing they didn't do
0: was pass around little cups of Kool Aid for everybody to drink.
1: Who thought that was a good idea? Like, I want to talk to that person today. I don't want to talk to Coach K. I don't want to talk to John Shire. I want to talk to whoever thought that was a good idea.
0: Did you hear him drop the uh, Dazed and Confused line?
1: I didn't know. I I didn't hear any of his press conference or any of it. I, I only saw kind of whoever cut up like that first 45 seconds or so yeah. when he was coming out on stage. He basically
0: said like, you know, these high school kids, I keep getting older <laughs> and these high school kids stay the same age. If you'd have dropped an all right, all
1: right, all right,
0: I would have lost my
1: mind. Oh, what I mean, it's, it's huge news. I mean, college this, basketball this is going to be going to be interesting. I mean, <laughs> Roy, Coach K, Tom Izzo probably, you know. Not far behind. Not you, not, you wouldn't far think. Behind. Jay Wright's been at Villanova forever. Is he just going to keep plugging along there? Um, Probably, though. I mean, he's turned down the Sixers. Like, I'm not saying like, but like, he's been there a long, long time. I think he's been there longer than a lot of people realize. I'm not saying he's going to leave for like, a, like, but it's like, is but I'm just saying, just is there? he
0: going to retire at like 55? Like, well, Jay's not I mean, that old, is he?
1: Brad Stevens just did basically. <laughs> so I mean, going from coaching to front office position. Yeah, but. You know,
0: there's in the NBA front office, there's a lot of work to be done. He's still going to be
1: working a lot. There is, but not as much as coaching 82 games a year and practice and and all that.
0: I still wouldn't say he's retiring.
1: No, but I I was, but were you not shocked that he would just decide he was just going to not coach anymore? Like, I didn't see that coming.
0: I think he'll be back in coaching eventually. I think that that was getting stale and he wasn't gonna
1: You think he'll you come know. back to college coaching?
0: No, from what I've heard, he has very very little interest in co- returning to college. Like he he prefers the NBA.
1: Well, I, I think for some guys, once you make that jump whether it's football or basketball and you don't have to recruit anymore, you really don't want to go back to having to recruit. Right. Just tell just give me the guys I got a coach and I'll figure that part out.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so much to it. Like, there's so much involved in college, and now it's even worse, right?
1: I don't know if I'd say it's worse. I would just say it's, drastically it's just a lot more different. work. Just different. And I did. I did. A, I did hear one quote from Coach K, which I did agree with. Someone asked him, "Like, are you, you know?" retiring because the because you're older and the game is changing and he was like what you don't think the game changed at all in the 46 years that I that I coached so I don't think yeah. that's a, a thing but it is it is a lot it's just going to be a lot different whether it's name image and likeness the transfer portal the extra the COVID year just there's a lot of like Different things that coaches are now going to have to adapt to that they didn't the best players the best players
0: not playing in college
1: right like you have like, another league that can poach your players now I I, up went, up I went until over. the day before the season starts as as we saw with not the D Day but like what Mick right. dealt with you know you lose a guy in the summer going into your into the season you got no replacement for that.
0: I, I, you know, I had some pushback yesterday because I talked about this on, uh, on Twitter. About, you know, there's there's going to be a drastic, pretty drastic change in the sport coming over the next five years, just because Kay's retiring, Roy's retiring. You know, Gonzaga has moved into this like power position where they might be the the elite program in the sport. I don't know if that's debatable. Right? I mean, they're they're getting the best players. And, you know, they, they've got to win a title, obviously.
1: But, but right right now, if you just said, who's the best program in the sport right now? How do you not say Gonzaga?
0: Yeah. So I wanted to go, this, this will kind of put it in perspective for some people. Here are, over the past couple years, I think we would all agree, the top 10 guys, there's usually three or four of those guys that become like, the stars of that year, right? Hello?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree.
0: So let's go 2021. Here's the top 10. Chet Holgram going to
1: gonzaga, gonzaga.
0: Paulo Banchero bon- going to Duke. Jaden Hardy. G League. Jabari Smith, Auburn, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Milwaukee to play for his dad. Kennedy Chandler, Tennessee, Caleb Houston, Michigan, Peyton Watson, UCLA, Scotty Henderson, pro, J.D. Davison, Alabama.
1: Goals. Not a lot of
0: blue bloods in that, is there?
1: No, I mean, there was what? No Kentucky, no North Carolina, one Duke. No Kansas. No Kansas, one Duke, no Michigan State. One UCLA. One UCLA. No Villanova. No Florida. No Texas. No Ohio State. No Indiana. No. Yeah. so No Syracuse. No.
0: Right. So that's just a fluke, right? Right. That's just a fluke. Let's go 2020. Cade Cunningham. Oklahoma State.
1: Because of staff connections. His brother was on staff. Jalen Green. Pro.
0: Pro. Evan Mobley. USC. To play with his brother. And, Jonathan Kaminga. And dad didn't have anything to do with that either. Right. Jonathan Kaminga. <laughs> pro. Pro. Brandon Boston. Kentucky. Kentucky. Wasn't very good.
1: <laughs> Almost transferred.
0: Yeah. Zaire Williams. Stanford. Scotty Barnes. Florida State. Terrence Clark. Rest in peace. Kentucky. Greg Brown, Texas, Musa Cissé, Memphis. Memphis. Two Kentuckys, no Dukes, no North Carolinas, no Kansases, no Louisville. Noticing a trend? 2019. Wiseman, Memphis, Edwards, Georgia, Stewart, Washington, Cole Anthony, North Carolina, RJ Hampton, Pro, Vernon Carey, Duke, Scotty Lewis, Florida. Jaden McDaniels, Washington, Nico in Arizona, Tyrese Maxey, Kentucky.
1: Just think for that class alone. Just think about like the, what we would consider our age is very, very similar. Like the glory days of, of college basketball that for us, the 90s and into the 2000s. Think of a time when the top three players in a class didn't play, ev- didn't ever play in the NCAA tournament.
0: Memphis, Georgia, Washington were the top three players in the class. Memphis, Georgia, Washington.
1: I mean, there wasn't. There were times not even, what, five to ten years ago where, like, Duke would get three in the top 12. Kentucky would get three in the top 10. Right. Kansas would get a guy or two. Carolina would get a guy. Patino would get a guy. Like, Villanova would grab a guy in the teens and then, like, a in the early twenties, like you only, yeah, it's totally different now. And then even like the kids that are moving on are transferring. They're not transferring to those schools. Like right. Look at Baylor kids leave in Auburn to go to Baylor kids leave, you know, they're still 2000, 2018
0: was the last time it was quote unquote normal. Barrett reddish Williamson, one, all go to Duke. Nazir Little to Carolina. EJ Montgomery, number nine to Kentucky. Quentin Grimes, number 10 to Kansas. That's the last time it was normal, 2018.
1: That's, that's forever ago. And, and especially in college basketball, where guys be yeah. after one year. Now
0: look at 2022. Imani Bates and Jalen Durant, there's no chance those two kids play high sc- their college no. basketball.
1: I mean, if Imani Bates is decommitting from Michigan State, he's not just going to some other college. Right.
0: They both have 100% crystal balls to professional. <laughs> right? Chris Livingston, number three, there's no chance he's playing in college. No interest. Not happening. Amari Bailey, number three, UCLA. Dior Johnson, number five, Crystal Ball to Syracuse. Or uh, yeah, Syracuse. Keontae George, Texas or Pro. Derek Whitehead, Florida State. Jaden Bailey, Kentucky or North Carolina. Sky Clark, Kentucky. He's committed to Kentucky.
1: But this is, trend is not going to stop, Dave. Oh, no. And there's going to be other leagues that shoot. I mean, what was the one league that some other... Overtime Elite or whatever? Signed, like, the the 2023 or 2024 kid or something already? There's
0: two twins in 2023 that signed with uh, Overtime Elite, which is the new, like...
1: That's, like, the one funded by the NBA, the former NBA guys, right? Like, Jay Williams and... And you
0: can... and, And they're taking, like... Is like 16-year-olds. Yeah. Like, come, we'll get you, you know, we'll get you into school and we'll get you playing professionally for like half a million dollars. 16 years old. The times, they are a-changing.
1: Yeah. It's going to be uh, a much different landscape. In- How much
0: times behind got left? I mean, not He's going to see Kay and Roy out, and he's not going to want to do this any longer.
1: I mean, he already hates being in the ACC to begin with. Yeah. And now his two buddies are gone. Like, he's got nobody left in the conference that has been coaching as long as he has. Well, like how much longer? That's because he? he was. That's because he's been
0: coaching since my dad was a kid.
1: Oh, he's he, what seventy-eight or seventy-nine? I think he got yeah. the coaching job at. Syracuse, something
0: like that. I was, I was one when Jim Boeheim started coaching at Syracuse, and my entire head is gray.
1: He might hang it up when his kid's done, but I think he's got another one.
0: I don't think he's as good as Buddy,
1: though. I
0: don't think. I haven't seen him, so I couldn't tell you. But you know, it's just, it's just, it's crazy when you look at it, and to think that things are just gonna like carry on the same as they've always been. Let's I don't be, think that's going to happen real, too.
1: Let's be real. How much longer do you really think Cal's going to be at Kentucky?
0: I don't think it's going to be another f- seven years. Oh
1: heck no. I wouldn't even put it at five.
0: Yeah. That's what I like. Five. I think I could maybe see, but Cal is the coach at Kentucky in
1: 2026. I don't think so. No, I don't see it in any way. I If I set the over-under at three and a half, I'd take the under. Especially with the way things are changing. Right. You know?
0: But what's what's that going to do is it's going to level the playing field. Because these guys that are the elite of the elite talents aren't going to all be located at three different places. So, it's... uh, going to be interesting to watch the 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 shift in college basketball and how impactful how big it is how large the 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 dynamic becomes like are Kentucky and Duke and Carolina now going to start
1: being transfer portal schools it's going to be for me it's going to be interesting especially with like Kentucky or not Kentucky North Carolina and Duke now that they finally have they'll have new coaches does it It'll be interesting to watch. Does it matter who the coach is? Or is the program still just going to be so strong on its own that
0: Wes isn't going to like me for this, but Matt Doherty says it matters who the coach is, right? (laughs) I would. Yeah. And Matt Doherty was handpicked by Dean Smith, right? Yep. Well, we got two of those. One at each. That's not to say that John Shire and Hubert Davis are going to fail, but
1: the uh, if I mean if we're playing the percentages they're going to fail. Like they're going to If if it's get fired within f- 6 years or have a 30-year coaching career and never it.
0: Yeah, the the odds are much more likely get fired in 6 years. Because they're just not ready to meet the standard of icons. No, one And is. that's the standard. Yeah. That's the standard. Right. Icons.
1: Like so. Two of the 10 best coaches in the sports history. Yeah. Good luck. Go get them, guys. And deal with all this other stuff that's now yeah. going on.
0: It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. So. Yeah. All right. I did wanna I did want to hit on K, so I'm glad you brought that up and, and hit on that that
1: specific topic. It's a it's a huge I mean he's a whether we make fun of him or some of the stuff he says is you know to reporters or to whatever is idiotic. Like you can't take away the the iconic level that he uh reached. Yeah,
0: I mean the only thing that's annoying is this whole like Who's gonna who's gonna take the mantle and like uh usher the sport into the future? Like we didn't need th- those guys, like you know.
1: No one said those guys when they started, so you you have no idea. Like Coach K has even said it, it's like it's one thing to be given a chance, but it's another thing to be backed by people that believe in you. Cause I mean, in today's world, he would have been fired at Duke. Yeah, in three years, he would have been out. He wouldn't have made it to year four. So hopefully that's a sign to some that, you know, the best- A little continuity can be a good thing. Isn't necessarily to, to burn the place down. Right. All right, that's
0: all I got. See, we always come into these things like, I don't think we have anything to talk about. And then an hour and 20 minutes later, we're like, all right, well, that wraps it up. (laughs) Yeah. But that wraps it up. It is. uh, It's it's been a fun week. I'm glad recruiting's back. There's been a lot of information on the board, 60% off through June 7th, midnight, June 7th. And if you're not here, you're missing out on a lot there has been a constant flow of information being posted on the boards of Bearcat Journal.
1: Definitely going to be missing out over the next month. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and July, June, and July, and then and then camp.
1: What else are you going to spend your money on? You're certainly not going to go watch the Reds, right?
0: Forty dollars for a year. Forty dollars for a year.
1: Amaz- amazing deal.
0: So I did. I did go. laugh.
1: I did. I have to get one little quick dig in. I was laughing. Uh, my guy on my team, Jacob DeGrom, has given up 22 earned runs in his last 20 starts. And the Reds have given up like 17 earned runs in their last game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They've given up in a week. They had a 19-run game and a 17-run game. I think they've played like 52, 53 games. In 11 of them, they've given up nine or more runs.
1: That's not great.
0: That's hard to do. They
1: need to fire their defensive coordinator.
0: <laughs> that guy is not holding <laughs> that up. Guy the that guy sucks. That guy sucks.
1: I've been casually <laughs> keeping track of the Mets and just noticed that they have the largest division lead in baseball right now at like four, four and a half games.
0: Yeah. Nobody's any
1: good. No, I mean either either they're good and them they have a big series with the Padres actually starting tonight. Should be interesting. I will not be staying up for any of that, but you gotta love
0: those 10-10 first pitches on a
1: on a Thursday. I not even really night. like watching baseball to begin with. I'm sure as shit not staying up till ten o'clock to watch it.
0: No, no, one o'clock to watch it. Well, yeah, all the way. You gotta stay up till ten o'clock to see the first pitch.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm certainly not staying up to see the last <laughs>
0: All right. Well, it's good to have you back from vacation. Oh, it's great.
1: Great to be back. I'm ready for some some football action. And and before you know it, uh, we'll be at Camp Ground.
0: Yeah, it's it's you know, we're we're less than 100 days. No, I think we'll be good. I
1: think we'll be good. Oh, no, I was gonna say maybe we'll we'll get to see something else in the next couple of weeks, too. Maybe, Maybe we're lucky.
0: All right. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Holy Grail Podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.